It's cold, it's freezing. It's um, pretty much the same routine. Uh, hang out usually in Kleinman Park or another park um, during the day, and then when they close it down at 10 o'clock, we go and try to find a business we can park, you know, in the parking lot or behind of. We stayed with family, but because of my kids, they got irritated and kicked us out. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. In December of last year, the Republic ran a column. Its headline said, if we do nothing, Phoenix could become the next Los Angeles for homelessness. Sadly, statistics show that homelessness continues to grow in the Valley. And the number of people sleeping on sidewalks, under bridges, in city parks, only going up. In 2019, there were at least 6,614 people experiencing homelessness in Maricopa County. And for the last six years, the number of people experiencing unsheltered homelessness has grown. That's when people live somewhere not intended for habitation, like on the street or in desert washes. In 2014, 22% of the homeless population was experiencing unsheltered homelessness. In 2019, that number was up to 50%. This week, we're partnering with our politics podcast, The Gaggle, to examine homelessness in the Valley. In Wednesday's episode of The Gaggle, we'll look at some of the underlying economic causes of homelessness. We'll also discuss what your elected officials and community leaders are doing to address homelessness. But for today's episode of Valley 101, we're answering this question. What's it like to be homeless in Metro Phoenix? Producers Taylor Seeley and Maritza Dominguez have some answers. Hi, it's me, Taylor. Maritza here too. If you're a loyal listener, you've heard of the Maricopa Association of Governments. It's a unifying body for the cities and towns in our county. Also called MAG, the association does a lot of things like population projections and transportation planning. And they do a lot of our regional planning and regional brainstorming for how to solve problems that are regional in nature that don't just stop in one city. Things like homelessness, for example. That's Jessica Bain. She covers the city of Phoenix and Maricopa County for the Republic. Jessica said that every January, MAG does something called the point-in-time count. The point-in-time count is basically one morning every January where volunteers in every city and town in the Valley go out and try to find all of the people that are experiencing homelessness, and they do a quick survey with them and also count them so that we can have a better idea of how many people are experiencing homelessness. The volunteers ask questions like, where did you sleep last night? And how many people are in your household? And how do you identify? A male. A male? Yeah. Right. Are you Hispanic or Latino? Yes. No? And what is your race? What would you identify? Yeah. Black. Okay. Are you a veteran? Uh-uh. 
things that uh, you know are identifying features about a person. So we can try to identify trends over time of you know what are the reasons why people are experiencing homelessness. Mag maps out all of the data they gathered during the survey. In the past, that data has shown just how vast the problem is. It's not just isolated to one area. They also use that to try to help with you know policy decisions. It allows cities and towns to look at their own area and identify the places where they need to perhaps provide more support or you know any number of things. And so it really the point in time count is a imperfect guide that helps cities and towns make decisions about how they should address homelessness. Jessica said it's an imperfect survey because people experience homelessness in many ways. For instance, families who live in vehicles are less visible, so volunteers may miss them during the count. Darling Newsom is a CEO of UMOM New Day Centers, which provides shelter and resources to those experiencing homelessness. Darlene said that many homeless families are afraid of the removal of their children. And um, many of the families actually are still employed and their kids are enrolled in school. They just can't find affordable housing. Or either they've been evicted from their housing and they're having difficulty finding new housing. And so um, that's why many of the, the families are more of the invisible homeless that you don't see because most people when they think of homeless they think of the person staying at the street corner and that person too has some great needs but there's also children who are living on our streets. Even with those problems the point in time count is a really valuable source for our government planning agencies. Um, So I think one of the best things about the point in time count is it really gives us an idea of how many different variables there are in homelessness. It's really impossible to point to one thing and say, this is what homelessness looks like. There's just a million little things that make up homelessness. The stories of how someone became homeless or experiences homelessness are incredibly varied. But we wanted to try to understand what it was like for those who were willing to speak with us. So we went out with the Point in Time volunteers during their 2020 survey. I was stationed at the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in Mesa when a woman came running out, joyfully telling others that they should take the survey. First name is D-E-S-T-I-N-Y. Last name is Bogus, B-O-G-G-E-S-S. Destiny is 38 years old. She's been homeless on and off for the last three years. And this time around, she's been homeless since last July. She takes shelter in a van with her boyfriend. It's um, pretty much the same routine. Uh, Hang out usually in Kleinman Park or another park um, during the day. And then when they close it down at 10 o'clock, we go and try to find a business we can park, you know, in the parking lot or behind of. The van has a full-size mattress in it. It's also shelter for her two Jack Russell Terriers, Lucy Lou and Doodle. But this isn't Destiny's first experience with homelessness. She was homeless between the ages of 14 to 18 and sporadically after that. Destiny said her family was dysfunctional and She was physically and sexually abused as a child. I had a pretty traumatic and hard, you know, childhood. And then um, I was in three very abusive relationships 
She's also struggled with the loss of her grandmother, who she said was the glue that held her family together. Throughout her adulthood, Destiny has struggled to keep a job. For the past three years, she says she's been struggling with chronic pain. That prevents her from working jobs, like the one she said she had at UPS for 11 years. I haven't seen a doctor in three years because I've just been so frustrated with them sticking all this stuff in me and not doing tests. And it's like, I don't want your cortisone shots. I, I want a diagnosis. Uh, you know, I've been battling disability. And of course, without getting a diagnosis, and, you know, I'm not going to get a word of disability. So it's just been one big run around. And it's almost like they just want to, they're hoping you're going to give up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Destiny says she has health insurance, and she uses food stamps as well. But her feelings about the future change depending on the day, and she wishes she had more help finding a job that wouldn't require her to spend time on her feet. I just really want to get diagnosed so I can start feeling healthy again, and um, he's, we've been looking into the... VA resources, because um, my fiance is a veteran, and, and um, hopefully we can use his benefits to get a loan, you know, and, and get a home. That's what my goals are, you know, just to get somewhere where we're not getting kicked out of, you know, and call it ours, you know. Destiny is not the only person who has a repeated experiences with homelessness. I met Lawrence Small in South Phoenix with my colleague reporter, Diana Nanez. Lawrence, a 41-year-old African-American man who has been homeless for two months after experiencing domestic violence. He said he doesn't want to live at the Central Arizona Shelter Services, also called CAS, because of the amount of people who use drugs in that area. It's drugs over there in CAS. It's people living in tents over there. It's like Tim City over there, right now, in Cass. It's tents all down, all down Puff Avenue. Lawrence also fears that his abusive ex-boyfriend could find him at Cass. That's where my ex knows where I'm at. He knows that I'm there, so that's why I'm not staying over there until she knows that. Instead, Lawrence shares a makeshift bed with his new partner. The two spend their days at St. Vincent de Paul, but when the charity closes at 5.30 p.m., they move outside to sleep. It's cold, it's freezing. I mean, they feed you over there, but when it rains, you gotta go under, you gotta go under, under here, when it rains. Uh. Lawrence points under a bridge. But this isn't his first encounter with homelessness. When was the first time you ever experienced being homeless or living on the streets? Seattle, Washington. My sister kicked me out and I was living under the bridge. Lawrence was 34 years old when he was homeless in Seattle, but he was raised in Phoenix. His mother died in 2001, but she also lived here. He said if his mother was still alive today, he'd still be living in Seattle. He said the shelters up there were better. Seattle is different from Phoenix. Seattle, they help homeless people out there. The housing jobs, Phoenix don't do it.
homelessness looks different for families. I met Janae Pierre, a 24-year-old mother with three kids. The oldest is six, the middle child is three, and the youngest is just seven months old. For years, Janae was a stay-at-home mom. Her husband was the sole provider. Then he was arrested. He got arrested on Christmas. Oh my goodness. So my kids woke up without their father, and I had to get everything together within a month because the landlord was he didn't trust that I would have any money, and I was basically waiting on the tax refund until we got on our feet. I used that for another three months in a different apartment, and then we just went straight to the streets. When he went to prison, her family lost its only income. They lived in a friend's minivan for a bit. Janae was pregnant with her youngest at the time. She walked from business to business looking for a job and a place to live in Phoenix's summer heat. All the while, she tried to keep things as normal for her children as possible. Making sure my kids didn't see, that they didn't see any irregularities in their schedule. Like my, my son's special needs, so he had to go to therapy at the same time. And I had to still get baby stuff and I had to still take them to school, so they still had friends. So it was always jumping back and forth and making sure they still had their schedule. They tried to live with family, but that didn't work either. We stayed with family, but because of my kids, they got irritated and kicked us out. Because my baby would cry, but he's a newborn. Newborns cry, that's all babies do. But they kicked us out. Then Janae got a call. Her family could move into Vista Kalina. It's an apartment complex leased to Cass that provides emergency shelter for families with children under the age of 18. What was it like to, to find out that you were going to get to come here? Like winning a golden ticket. Because Vista Kalina is an emergency shelter, families can only stay for a short amount of time. Luckily, Janae qualified for a rapid rehousing program through UMOM and will soon be moving to a nearby apartment in Sunnyslope. But her kids aren't too happy about the move. They've just settled in to Vista Kalina. Are the kids, do they like it here? Yeah. They don't want to move, but we're moving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We love to stay, but we have to go. Yeah. Janae is still struggling to find a job. She thinks it's because there's a gap in her resume. But since there's such a big gap in my resume, there's not really anything I could say other than I'm a homemaker, and people look down on that. But being a homemaker, it's multitasking, and it's managing the bills, and it's cleaning, and it's cooking, and it's problem solving <laughs> for three, two, three kids. But they don't see that. They see somebody was home all day and did nothing. For now, she has to concentrate on the upcoming move. Jessica, these stories can be gut-wrenching to listen to. For those who may be on the precipice of homelessness, what are some resources available to them? 
A lot of people probably have heard of the Human Services Campus downtown where CAS is located. That is a resource to go to. There's a lot of services there for people even before they start experiencing homelessness. But for people who live in different parts of the valley who may want to find something closer to home, there are many nonprofit organizations and other uh, government organizations that are trying to help people before they ever enter homelessness. And you can look up the Arizona Department of Housing and the Arizona Housing Coalition for some of those resources. And if you're listening to this episode and you'd like to help those who are struggling with homelessness, what can you do? There are many nonprofits who are eager to uh, have your time or uh, items that you might want to donate, and we have a list of those on AZ Central. We're also launching our story and videos from the point in time count on February 4th on azcentral.com. Well, what's hard is, you know, digging in that trash can, you know, begging these people for money. Like, it's, it's difficult sometimes, and I get emotional and I cry about it. And on February 5th, we'll have our episode of The Gaggle, addressing some of the causes and solutions to the Valley's homelessness problem. That's all for today's episode of Valley 101. Thanks to Taylor Seeley, Maritza Dominguez, and Jessica Baim for their reporting on this episode. Today's episode was produced by Katie O'Connell. I'm Kayla White, signing off until next week. See you then.